It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Jen Frost of Faith and Fabric finds inspiration from the everyday things around us. Her faith is central to her family's life and is often reflected in her full scripture quilts patterns and the smaller scripture quilts blocks. She also values the skill of sewing and thinks it's one that we need to continue to teach each generation. If you're new to sewing, Jen invites you to try out some of her beginner-friendly sewing projects. Hey Jen, it's so great to have you on A Quilter's Life. Thank you. I'm excited to be here today. Well, I saw that you found out about A Quilter's Life through Carolina Moore. How is your connection to Carolina? I did. I first met her on Facebook, actually. We are part of a group called Quilt Pattern Designers. It's this really amazing community of pattern designers that supports each other. And it's funny because you think in a group where we're all, I'm air quoting, you can't see me doing that, but like competitors for the same customers that it would be more of a competitive group, but it's really not. The group is super collaborative and supportive. I actually met her first through that many years ago. And then it turns out we live in the same town. So we've ended up at some quilt guild meetings together too. So it's neat to have her not only as a quilty friend online, but an actual person to have really met and talked to in person too. She's great. She has been so supportive of A Quilter's Life. I've actually gotten to interview her twice. I did her story and then she got to be on my 200th episode of A Quilter's Life. That is so cool. 200 episodes. Good for you. Thank you. Well, Jen, let's go back to your background. Where were you born and raised? Sure. So I was actually born here in San Diego. My dad was in the Marines, but my parents are from this absolutely quaint coal mining town in Northeast Pennsylvania. So my dad was really only in the Marines out here for four years for active duty. He did go into the reserves and I came during those four years. So I was born at Camp Pendleton in North County, San Diego. Honestly, though, I grew up in New Jersey Pretty much once those four years were up, my family moved back east where all their parents are, their sisters, brothers, blah, blah, blah. So it was nice to grow up around family, grandparents, cousins. And I don't remember how old I was when we moved back. Too young to remember. But I was there until I was 18. And then I came out here for college. Went to Cal Poly up in San Luis Obispo. And my husband and I were trying to figure out where to live. And we fell in love with San Diego. Now we're here. (laughs) I'm laughing because we're kind of backwards. I was born and raised in California and went to college in Ohio and stayed in Ohio. And even though you were born in California, you were raised on the East Coast and you went out to California for college and stayed out there. Hmm. Uh (laughs) Oh, it was. My mom and dad often, because I've told them, I miss the four seasons. And I think I miss it in a childhood way. I miss going out and playing in the snow with my friends or tons of sledding that we lived near a park and there was always sledding at the park and making snow angels. 
But what I never really had a whole lot of experience with was having to drive in the snow or the sleet or worrying about the salt because they put the salt on the roads. Actually, I don't know if they still do that, but they used to do that to break up a lot of the ice and how it would corrode the bottom of your car. So I definitely have childhood memories of enjoying the snow, not adult memories of bursting pipes. (laughs) My mom grew up out here and of course was in California when I was growing up. But when she got to move back out here later, my sister-in-law peeked out the window and saw my mom under the trees in the fall with the leaves falling. And my mom was just spinning in circles. (laughs) Oh, I love that. (laughs) So as a senior, she was enjoying being back. Oh, I love it. So I have to tell you, we live kind of near Legoland down here in San Diego. And Legoland for Christmas time brings snow to Legoland. And so they literally have this massive truck and they bring it in. It's not snow. Think of more like Ices, you know, like the snow cones we used to eat when we were kids. It's like that. So they bring in all this quote snow, and the kids get to kind of climb up it. Some of them are in flip flops because it might be a nice December day, and they get to play in the ice, the snow. So what was funny was we had just done this. My son was probably three or four years old at the time, and my grandmother passed away shortly after that. And so we went back east, and we were walking out of the funeral home. And my son just looks at the snow and it's like this very somber mood, but he looks at the snow and he just looks and he's like, mom, they have a truck that brings snow here too. And it was like the greatest moment because it just, everybody laughed and kind of, it just broke that little tension. She was older and she lived a full life, but you're still sad when someone passes away, even when they have that happy full life. It was like perfectly timed of this adorable little kid thinking that that's where snow comes from. It comes from trucks that drop it off. (laughs) Oh, that is so wonderful. Kids can be so cute. They are. They're little things they say are perfect. Because it's innocent. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, do you have a special childhood memory of yourself growing up? I do. So New Jersey is actually known as the Garden State. I think it got a really bad rep when Jersey Shore came out. (laughs) So you kind of got one view of New Jersey or some people think of Northern Jersey with all the freeways and that really thick accent. It's funny, people have told me, you don't sound like you're from Jersey. And if you're from more central Southern Jersey, you don't have that quote typical accent, but you do talk very fast. So I've actually slowed down and I'm always trying to be conscious of speaking slower. My favorite memory is honestly ties into it being the garden state. We took a class trip when I was young to a working farm and I found some corn kernels on the ground. And I had remembered the farmer telling us earlier in the day that you can grow corn directly from last season's dried kernels. So I felt like I was being sneaky and I put these kernels I found in my pocket and then I brought them home because my mom had this great backyard garden. And sure enough, they grew. So we harvested them when they looked nice and full and ripe and my mom nicely made them for dinner. They looked and tasted less than you would expect. I remember as we're like eating them, my mom's like, so Jen, where did you get these kernels from on the farm? And I just excitedly shared that I found them in front of the pig trough. And it turns out it was pig corn. (laughs) So (laughs) that was a lesson for me that pig corn is quite different than the corn that you and I buy at the grocery store. But my family was a sport. They ate it anyway. None of us cracked any teeth. It worked out just fine. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Over the years, 
besides a quilting business, did you have other employment? I did. So right now I like to think of myself as being on my second career. I'm hoping in life to have maybe three good ones. I actually started off working in IT, information technology. I went to undergrad and grad school up at Cal Poly. I have my master's in business. I concentrated in information systems. And I worked for a long time here at a biotech in San Diego. But I'm an older mom. I wasn't able to conceive my son until I was in my almost mid-30s. I was 34 when I had him. And he was just such a gift. And so I went back to work for 11 months. And they were the worst, hardest, all of the above 11 months of my life. And my boss finally said, you're miserable. And I'm like, I am absolutely miserable. And so I left and I stayed home to become mom. So that was kind of my first career. I loved what I did. I loved the travel involved. I love organizing things. I love poking around in technology. So that's always been something I'm passionate about. So I think of my first career is kind of my IT career. My second career now is the quilting. I want to dig a little bit more into your IT career. When you were deciding that was the route you wanted to go, what do you think you were thinking about or what led you down that path? So that's another great story. So I actually started off as an undergraduate in psychology. I always found kind of just the way people think and perceive sometimes the same situation, but they see it differently, just absolutely fascinating. And so I want to say it was like our junior year you have to take a class as a psychology major called the helping relationship. It's basically like you're working as a, I don't want to call it a therapist because you're not licensed, but you're working with students who go to the health center kind of like is that first tier of support. And so you have to record yourself and you turn your recorder. This is way before phones. So we just had those little pocket recorders with those little mini cassette tapes that went into them. And so I had my first couple sessions I was called a helper and this was my helpie. And I had my first couple sessions with my helpie and I turned them into my teacher. And she was great. We went into her office one day and she's like, you know, I don't know if this is the career choice for you. (laughs) And I remember thinking, you know what? I think you're right. I don't think this is for me at all. (laughs) So I'm a very black and white person. And so in thinking about that, that's how I started getting into IT and developing software because with software, when you write code, it either works or it doesn't. There's not this complication of human emotion that's laid on top of it. Now I get emotional when my technology doesn't work, but there's always a very rational reason why. Yeah, that moment was definitely, you know, I kind of walked into her office as a psychology major and I walked out going, this is not at all what I want to do, but I think I do know what I should be doing. I hope that was at the beginning of your junior year. (laughs) You know, it took me five years to do my undergraduate because to your point, I lost a full year of classes. It's so hard. It is hard. A lot of colleges out there, you have to declare your major as a freshman. And when you apply to colleges, you're a junior in high school. And I don't know any 16 or 17 year old, maybe 17, 16 year old kid that knows what they want to do for the rest of their life. Yeah. Well, you ended up back out in California and you met your husband. So I am assuming that is why you stayed in California. How did you end up in San Diego? So my dad's job actually brought us back out to California. When I was a senior in high school, he worked for Johnson & Johnson. 
and J&J at the time acquired Neutrogena and Neutrogena is based in LA. So my dad was transferred my senior year. So my mom stayed back in New Jersey with us so we can all finish the year. My parents had us all four years apart. So that way they'd only have one kid in college at a time, which probably explains a lot why I am also very regimented in planning things. So it was my senior year of high school and my sister was finishing middle school. My brother was still in elementary, but they didn't want to switch us with, you know, six months left of the school year. And Johnson & Johnson was phenomenal because when you find out in February of your senior year that you're switching colleges, because at this point I would be still moving with my family back. Well, I say back east, but like to the West Coast at that point, they were great. They reached out to a couple different colleges out here in California because I had no idea. I had already picked what school I was going to go to in New Jersey. I was going to go to Stockton State. I had already met my roommate. So it was a huge, huge upheaval. I was also very teenager. I felt like it was a major upheaval for me, you know. Of course, it was an upheaval for my whole family now. I can see that, but it it felt like this massive change. So J&J reached out to these colleges here in California and explained what was going on, explained why I was so late missing the deadline. And a couple of the schools were open to me applying and I ended up at Cal Poly. And yeah, probably... Within our first month up there, I met my husband and it was just fast. Like we just hit it off fast. It was really cute because we were so young. He was like, do you want to be my girlfriend? And I was like, okay. (laughs) That's how we got together. And it's just, we're still going strong. Those are exciting years when we start college and we find the one we fall in love with. Mm -hmm. So I heard that you were homeschooling. Yes. So I will tell you, I never intended to be a homeschooler. When I started staying home with my son, I realized I needed a new community. So I helped start a new ministry at our church called Moms and Kids. And we got together with all these other moms with little toddlers. And we had the usual mom play dates, like park play dates or going to somebody's house. But we really tied it into a lot of our faiths. So we had a lot of faith-based events and it was a blast. But when it came time for the kids to really start going to school, a few of the families were like, oh, we're going to homeschool. And I was like, peace, guys, you have fun with that. We're not doing that. We're going to do regular traditional school. We're Catholic and I was going to send them to the local Catholic school. And so we did that, actually. We did it for preschool, for kindergarten. And then kindergarten was like this tectonic plate movement under my feet because I went from having my little buddy home with me several days a week and going to gymnastics together or going to the gym together or going story time together to all of a sudden he's gone five days a week and he's got boy scouts and baseball and we had no family time and my husband felt the pressure that year as well he had a rough year at work he's a contractor and it was just like a crazy year economically I remember we were camping one night with boy scouts it was cold and we threw everything in the car And we're like, we need to make some life changes. So on the drive home, it was like midnight. We were like, what are we going to start switching? And what are we going to start changing? And we're like, well, the first thing we're doing is buying a camper because we are not camping on the ground anymore. It is way too cold. So that weekend we went shopping for a camper. And then when we really started looking at the cost of them, we're like, well, if we're going to buy this, I want to make sure we use it, which quickly became, we should take a long trip. And we like, we should go for a whole year. So when Adam was in first grade, we ended up traveling the U.S. for the year in our camper. And it was like the coolest experience ever. We rented our house out here to help cover the mortgage because we'd been in our house for quite a few years at that point. And then we just camped and we went to all the different campgrounds throughout the U.S. We traveled all of the southern U.S. I think we covered about 14 states. And you really got to see the states because it's so different 
when you're staying at local places and you're at these campgrounds with a lot of locals that are just there for the weekend, really getting to know them, getting to know the areas. It was such a different experience than taking a flight somewhere, hitting the main tourist stops, staying at a hotel and flying home. It was just the greatest experience. But obviously that year we had to homeschool. So we homeschooled. And when we came back, we just loved the flexibility that it gave us. So we continue homeschooling. We really enjoy it. My son's at a hybrid school, so it's great. He gets to go to school part-time. He's home the other couple of days. I feel like for us, it's been just such a blessing because we have the best of both worlds. It is. And homeschooling has changed over the years. And there are so many more wonderful opportunities available to you now. Yes, I'll tell you, it was a huge gift too when COVID hit because his school didn't miss a beat. I have several friends that are in more traditional brick and mortar schools and it was such an upheaval for them. Whereas for us, because we were so tightly woven with his teachers and because we were already in that homeschool mode, it was no big deal. It was like, okay, well, instead of being home three days a week, now you'll just be home five. And I already know what we need to be doing because we're working from the same book that he was working through in the classroom. So we were very fortunate to be perfectly set up from an education perspective to manage the pandemic. Mm -hmm. If you had the opportunity to talk to your great, 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 great grandchildren, what would you want them to know about who you were and or what would you like to say to them? Mm, You know, I love that question. I've been thinking a lot about ancestry lately. My dad was a surprise child. So there's almost probably 16 years between him and his two older sisters. And for Christmas this year, I made him a photo book for his parents and his side of the family. And I was able to trace our ancestry back to these Polish records and little churches from the 1750s for births and baptisms. And it was the coolest thing. And I just felt this immense sense of pride for being you know, a Polish Catholic in today's world, both my parents are Polish. So it's a very strong time to that country. And obviously my great, great grandchildren are only going to be probably a portion Polish, but I would love to just share that same pride in where they come from. Knowing where you come from really sets the stage to know where you're going to have hopefully set a strong foundation of faith that you know, my great ancestors have set for me that I can hopefully continue to pass down through the ages and just really help them to know that they come from a very strong, loving family and hope that they would continue carrying that forward to their own grandchildren. I agree. I think it's really important, if at all possible, I should say, for kids to know where they have come from. Yeah, there's a great quote by, I may be mispronouncing her name, but I think it's Maya Angelou. And it goes something like, if you don't know where you're from, you won't know where you're going. And I love that so much. And I'm probably slightly altering the words because I don't have it in front of me. But I think of that often. We all come from somewhere and understanding where that somewhere is. It really helps us to understand who we are and and kind of set a path for where we want to take that that legacy behind us, where do we want to take that and move forward with it? Mm -hmm. And I think it helps our children know why we do what we do. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, besides quilting, do you do or have you done other crafts? I do. 
so growing up, I went to Catholic school and we had a group called dolls. And it was basically like, I'm going to call it a craft based version of Girl Scouts at our church. And it had a great acronym. I don't remember what the acronym stands for now. But we learned all kinds of little homemaker skills. So we learned how to dip candles. We learned how to basic hand sew. We learned how to fix curtains. Okay, I failed at baking pedophores, but we learned how to bake. Baking was never my strong point. But I've always enjoyed being creative. It's just always been an outlet, especially when I feel stressed. And where I love now combining that with technology is I love drawing on my iPad. And it's actually how kind of a product line, if you will, has come out to be of like faith-based sewing projects because I love getting in there and designing and drawing on my iPad. They have like an iPad pencil you can use and it really feels like you're drawing or painting and then kind of using that as a basis for, for other sewing projects. So the, the drawing probably is my biggest outside of quilting craft that I do. And how about other hobbies? Okay, so my favorite thing my favorite thing in the world to do is sweat. Honestly, <laughs> I am a lifelong runner. I actually just ran a half marathon about two weeks ago. I love heavy, heavy weight training. I love taking bar classes at our local studio. This year, I'm an assistant coach on my son's mountain biking team, which has been exciting and at times absolutely terrifying. But even on days, kind of like when I feel like I need a rest, I like to meet some of my girlfriends. We'll go stand up paddling out in the ocean. That's just, it's gorgeous. Honestly, you don't really fall in. So just to be able to stand there on your paddleboard and paddle through the harbor is probably one of the most calming, relaxing things in the world. It gives you such a sense of peace. But honestly, working out has always just been a part of who I am. My earliest memories, I remember my dad was a runner. I remember going to watch him in some of his races. And I was so young in my mind, he was like a winner, even though he probably didn't win. But it just kind of, again, talking about history and legacy and foundation, it kind of set this foundation for me of, oh, this is what we do in my family. And so working out is hugely important to my husband and I, and now to our son too, who has really taken off with swimming and mountain biking. That's incredible. Again, we think all families do what our families do, but to find out your family excels in that is really incredible. You're very sweet because if you saw how bruised and scratched my legs are from mountain biking, I don't know if you would call that excelling, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> well, I do because others like me would get scratched and say, okay, I'm hanging that up. Mm. Yeah, you know, I ride with the green group. Actually, yesterday we called ourselves the pink group because it was all the girls we rode with. I love it. So I ran track in high school and then I got into triathlon. It was a rec team, but a team in college. And then I joined a rec team here in San Diego. And all those years, I never had a woman coach. And so it's really special to me to be a female coach on my son's team, an assistant coach. I am definitely not worthy of being a lead coach. But just to have those girls see, yeah, girls do this and girls are good at this. And it doesn't matter what gender you are, you can get out there and you can shred on your mountain bike just as hard as you want to or not want to if you're just out there for a casual ride. But I think just seeing that diversity, it was something that I felt was missing for me. And I hope it just feels maybe a little bit empowering for the girls to see other women out there doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And thank you for doing that. Oh, it's so much fun. It's, it's a gift for me. The next question is, how do your hobbies or other crafts show up in your quilting and 
I believe your drawing skills show up in yours from what I've seen. Yeah, so because I enjoy drawing so much, it's really a way for me to incorporate that into a lot of fabric projects. Now, by no means do all my drawings turn into something for fabric because I try to keep that as just an enjoyable outlet. For me, when I go in my quilting studio, that's almost like when I used to go into my cubicle or my office at work, like that's kind of my work mode. I don't ever want my drawing to feel or the sketching to feel like that for me. I don't want it to feel like every time I do it, it has to be something that is going to be used for another purpose or it's going to be a product. Like I just want to enjoy it or sometimes learn a new technique or just just have fun, just have fun with it. So occasionally the products make it over like with the little sewing dolls or the placemats we make. Basically like the grace prayer before we would pray before a meal that's on there. So you can make little projects like that but for me most of my drawing just kind of stays it stays on there for me I really love how I've gotten to talk to several people how they keep their business in other life a bit separate like that so they can enjoy Mm. the hobby of quilting or painting or whatever bit separate so that's cool I do keep my quilting as a hobby. I haven't turned that into a business yet. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about who introduced you to quilting. Sure. So again, growing up, because I was in dolls, my mom was a dolls leader for my little sister. So we were always in a very creative, crafty home. My dad was handy around the house. So there was already this kind of DIY mindset and whether it was more the traditional, if you will, working with the tools with my dad or being more creative, crafty, it was my mom. I grew up with that mentality. So my mom used to do all the sewing and the mending. I remember when I got my braces off in seventh grade, she actually took me to Joanne's and picked out fabric. She sewed me this amazing dress that I can wear because I was so proud to have my braces off. So I learned how to sew from her. But my mother-in-law was the one who introduced me to quilting. It's funny because she started quilting when she retired. And at first, I really found quilting off-putting because there's so many supplies that she needed. She had a whole room full of fabric and thread and patterns everywhere. And I'm a super minimalist. And as I mentioned, living in San Diego, our houses are incredibly small. So quilting just seemed to me like so much stuff. But the joke ended up being on me, of course, because shortly after I kept thinking about all the beautiful table runners she was making because she had them for every season in her house. And I wanted one for Advent, ended up making one. And honestly, that's kind of how, for me, my business started. Before we get to your business, do you happen to have a favorite quilt that either you have made or even just another quilt that you have or have seen that you really love? So one of my favorite quilts was one that was made for me years and years before quilting was even on my radar as something I might be interested in. You know, I mentioned I love being involved in individual sports. I stay far away from anything that involves a ball or a bat. But running has always been a thing. Cycling has always been a thing. And when you do those sports, you get all kinds of race t-shirts. So my very first quilt that was a gift to me was a woman I worked with turned all my t-shirts into a t-shirt quilt. I joke about it. California, we have a couple seasons. We have summer, we have spring, we have fog, and we have fire season. We've been evacuated a couple times for fires. And that quilt is one that I grabbed because it is so special to me. 
it's kind of like a legacy of all of my accomplishments of the races I've done. And it's honestly probably less a sense of accomplishment, each one of those, but just the beautiful memories of who I was training with and the conditions of that race day. It's a feel-good quilt. And I think for me, that probably started establishing the basis of quilting and quilts themselves just being associated with this really warm, fuzzy, happy memory feeling. Isn't it interesting how something like that can touch us in a way that we can't explain really, but it's there. It definitely is. And again, because my mother-in-law quilts, she's got a couple really special quilts that she's inherited from other family members. And it is when you can curl up under something, not only does it make you physically warm, but it honestly warms your heart too. Mm-hmm. And what tool do you have that you are so thankful for? So in terms of sewing tools, I do not have a favorite tool. I think the minimalist in me still struggles with having a lot of things. I may be one of the only quilters out there. I have one rotary cutter that I will change the blades in. And I have two quilting rulers, one that's very long and one that's this little three inch by three inch square. And that's it. So I think my favorite tools are probably those three things because besides my sewing machine and my seam ripper, I don't have a lot of gizmos and gadgets for my quilting. With all the steps we have in our quilting process, do you have a favorite step or do you like each step along the way? I think my favorite part in terms of the whole quilting process, I love the design process. I love the creativity of figuring out What kind of image do I have in my head? And then kind of like nerding out on the math side of it to figure out how do I actually translate that into something that is reproducible in fabric. And I love that part. I love that part so much because you get to really dig into the numbers and the math and how do you cut things? and How do you write something so that somebody else can understand what what you wanted them to say, what you want them to do? So I have so many ideas. For me, it's finding the time to actually then make the pattern maybe create the pattern is what I want to say and to start piecing it. I am horrible at final quilting. I have several quilt tops sitting here. Final photos of the quilts have been taken for covers and they're not quilted. They're just pretty much halfway done with a little bit of bias binding put on there to cover it. That's probably my least favorite part part is finishing them. But I genuinely, genuinely enjoy the design process. It is fun to plan what you have in mind. Mm-hmm. It is one that I'm working on right now. And it is, it's almost all encompassing because whether I'm running errands or just even folding laundry, I'm thinking about how would I modify or, oh, look at this is a great color. This would be a cool color to incorporate into it. So the design process, definitely my favorite. Mm-hmm. Share your worst quilting experience. So my worst quilting experience was finishing a very complex quilt pattern. It has almost nine different individually created blocks. Each block is foundation paper pieced and they're a very unique design. It's tied into Holy Week. So there's like a Palm Sunday block. There's a Good Friday block. There's an Easter Sunday block. And I saved the file and then I went back to it a few months ago to work on recoloring it. And the file ended up being corrupt. So Just like that, I lost almost 70 hours of design work. So I'm still feeling a little crushed from that. I'm still feeling the pain of that. But in terms of my worst quilting experiences so far, that's been my worst because, you know, if I make a mistake sewing a seam, I can rip it out. If I short a little bit of fabric, I can always order a little more. But 
I've even consulted an expert on this and they're like, you know what, this file is shot, it's gone. We don't know what happened to it. So that's by far my worst experience. It is so discouraging knowing you have that there and you go to use it and it's gone. It's so hard to see it gone because it looks fine. I can see it sitting there on my drive. I can see it. But when you try to open it, I get this great little black box of death saying this file is corrupt and cannot be opened. I should just delete it. (laughs) It's hard seeing it sitting there, but there's a piece of me that hopes maybe magically it'll fix itself one day. Yeah, probably not. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) I had saved notes when my sister-in-law had stomach cancer and Mm. just how her progress was going in all the updates and things, and I had saved them all, and I accidentally deleted the file. Oh, gosh. I was never able to recover it. So that's the feeling I'm thinking of when you think it's gone. Yeah, I feel like yours is even more personal, too. You know, at the end of the day, mine's just a quilt. I'm so sorry to hear that. That's hard. Jen, what do you think has drawn you to making quilts rather than using your time on anything else? Why do you think you make quilts? If I can give you two stories here. So for me, it's really, it's a both and. One of my favorite scripture passages is about a man who goes on a journey. And while he's gone, he entrusts his wealth and property to three different servants. So the first two take the talents they've been given and they build upon them. They share them with the world. They increase its value. And the third buries his talents that he was given. And For me, I want to be like those first two people. I want to take the talents I've been given and I want to put them to a good use. You know, the story itself encourages me a lot. It challenges me to take the talents we've been given because every one of us has different talents we've been given. We all have different amounts of those talents, but I want to invest them in a way that's fruitful. So I guess at the end of the day, I'm just trying to be a good and faithful servant like the first two were. But what drew me to create the patterns themselves was for Advent one year, I had made myself a quilt, just a little table runner. It had like the four little wreaths on it for Advent with little candles getting lit because we light an Advent wreath. And I made one for myself and I was really happy with it, but that was kind of it. Like I didn't really think much about it. So I made it and one of my girlfriends came over. She's like, oh my gosh, Jen, you have to make me one of those. And so I did. I made her one. And then another girlfriend came over and she's like, Jen, that is gorgeous. Can you make me one too? So right now I'm feeling pretty good because they like my work. You know, it's kind of that not overly prideful, but you know, just like feeling proud of something you made. And I was like, I'm so glad you guys like it, but I'm literally not making this a third time. (laughs) Twice was enough. I'm not doing this again. So that's when I started thinking more about what am I going to do now that I'm home with my son? What talents do I have? How can I apply those in a different way that meets the needs of my young, young family at that point? And that's how I started quilting and It was something that I can pick up and do when I have the time and something that I can put quickly back down. He's not a baby anymore, but when the baby started crying or when we needed to go somewhere. And so the flexibility of it has given me that opportunity to continue to nurture and grow it and just to let it evolve over time. It's been 10 years now. And to be honest, I wouldn't change a thing. I love that explanation. Using our talents in the opportunities the Lord gives us. Absolutely. I always feel like, again, faith is obviously very important to me, but 
we've been given so much. If we just take the time to sit back and see what gifts we all have, we all have so much to offer. There's a quote that's out there that I love. And it says, if we all did the things we are capable of doing, we would literally astound ourselves. Now, for the longest time, I thought it said, if we did all the things we're capable of, like taking on the world, which I you know, feel like I tried to do in my 20s and 30s and then exhausted myself. But we do, we all have so much to offer and our talents are all so wide and varied that if we just tap into them, I don't know, the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. And who do you make your quilts for? I don't mean this to sound overly righteous, but honestly, I make my quilts to evangelize. So I guess I make all my quilts for God. <laughs> How about that? I don't make quilts the traditional way. We are still a young family and because we have just one child, we've had the opportunity to be incredibly involved in everything he does. He wants us there too. I want to you know, clarify that we're not trying to over helicopter, but you know, even like we, we homeschool and then he's on a mountain bike team. He's like, oh my gosh, mom and dad, like they're looking for coaches. You guys should come because that'd be so fun if we did this together. So we are very heavily vested in him. So I don't make a lot of just novelty quilts, like beautiful quilts for friends or for family. I tend to make the one quilt to make sure the pattern works. Maybe two quilts of that pattern if the first one doesn't quite turn out the way I hoped it would. But, you know, I keep often the quilts I make because then I'm able to take those to trunk shows or, you know, just to have on hand as samples for shops. Are you working on a special quilt right now? I am. So I get some of the fun ideas for my quilts from customers. And I had a customer send in one and she said, I would love to have a rosary quilt. And she sent some ideas in and I am Catholic and obviously we use a rosary, but I try to not do ones that are overly specific to one denomination because I don't know, in my mind, we are all children of God. My best friend is Protestant. And I always joke if she and I, God forbid, ever Thelma and Louise over a cliff one day and, you know, walk up to the heavenly gates I'll call him St. Peter and she'll just call him Peter. I don't think it's going to come down to which one of us had the correct dogma or the correct specific belief on how many siblings Jesus did or didn't have. So I try to make quilts that portray that, that really apply to Christians of all denominations. But the design that woman had kind of sketched out and sent over was really beautiful. So I've taken that and I've kind of put my twist onto it. And I'm so excited that that one should be coming out, hopefully in March. It should go out for testing in about two more weeks. Oh, how fun. Describe your sewing space. So my sewing space is a dream. It's a very small dream. We have a very tiny house. But my small dream is about 10 feet by 11 feet. And it's a beautiful little space that my husband built for us. We have a small three-bedroom cottage. And the front room has windows that are L-shaped. So they go all the way down one wall and then all the way down the other because it's the corner room. So it used to be a guest room. And then my quilting fabric started overtaking the bed. And I had machines on the floor. And it was just a nightmare. So for Christmas one year, again, he's a contractor. So we worked together to put in some custom shelving and a custom cutting tables. And it's literally exactly how I would want that space to be. So, you know, it's great. We've been making some modifications to it now because a few years ago, I really got into filming videos for YouTube. So we had to change the layout of the space a little bit. The space means a lot to me. One of my favorite spots is a corner where I just have a glider, almost like a rocking chair, but more cushiony. 
I used to nurse my son and then we would read to him when he fell asleep and we're well past those years. He weighs almost as much as I do now. But I kept the chair and that's in the corner. And then above that is this beautiful cross stitch that my mom made for me. So again, you're talking about those warm, fuzzy family feelings, that corner space when I just need to just relax or read a book or, you know, just have some quiet time by myself. That corner in that room is really where I gravitate towards and just feel all those warm fuzzies. It sounds like a marvelous place to be in. It is a marvelous space, except I'm really glad that this is a audio call and not visual because it's not very marvelous right now. (laughs) You know, I mentioned I'm working on that new pattern. And when I start doing that, that's all consuming. And so there's all different cuts and sizes of pieces of things everywhere as I'm trying to search for the right size. And I don't know, they say that creative genius is messy. At least for me, it's very, very messy until it's time to like start cleaning it up and tying it down and I don't know. That'll be a nice cleaning project one weekend soon. (laughs) Share a quilting tip. I would say quilt what you love. I think for me, quite personal, actually this whole thing's been personal, but for me, I start a lot of projects because, you know, on Instagram, everybody's doing it or a shop that I love is having a block of the month and I just feel like I want to support them and be part of it. But to be honest, those are the projects that are in my drawer of unfinished projects because they're not something that I necessarily loved. It was almost more of like a fear of missing out. Like, well, if they're all doing it, I should jump in and do this too. And so for me, it's almost the opposite of when I'm truly working on something I'm passionate about. Those are the quilts that just burst forth and I finish it from start to finish. I get the whole thing done. So quilt what you love, quilt what's really shouting out to you. And don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't worry about what seems to be the most popular color if that's not your color or technique if that's not your technique just you be you and do you and use those talents you have Mm -hmm. so you had quilting as a hobby as you learned to quilt how did it become a business for you so my quilting turned from a hobby to a business right around that time that I mentioned where I had a couple girlfriends asking me to make that table runner for them for advent because I just dislike repetition. I don't want to do the same thing twice. It's not enjoyable for me. It's not enjoyable at all. And so I kept thinking, well, how can I do this for them? And I was like, well, maybe I can write the instructions down for them. And I I was not even thinking, honestly, about a business yet. It was just like, well, I'll just write it down and they can make it themselves. So I started writing it down. And then as I started kind of researching, well, how do I actually write this down? I started realizing that pattern design was actually a business. Again, it hadn't even really occurred to me until that point. So I took a couple of classes online about how to write patterns. At that point, I was really starting to think, well, maybe this is kind of what I'm being called towards. Maybe this is where I'm being led to. And it just worked. And so it was a very, I'm going to call it very organic process because it was not my intent. I didn't intend to do that. It just kind of happened. Share the name of your business and tell me how you came up with the name. So the name of the business kind of comes from it just happening. After I had made a pattern or two, and again, at this point, I wasn't selling them. I was just, you know, here, here you go. Here's how to make it. And of course, they're like, I'm literally never going to make this. Can you just make me one? But no, <laughs> no, sorry, but no. Again, I was praying about it. And I was just like, God, like, if this is really what you want, I need some help here because I've never started a business. You know, I've helped my husband. He's self-employed. But this is the whole thing. And I'm trying to be a mom to a little two-year-old. How do I do this? And again, it just felt very strong to me that, yes, this is what I was supposed to be doing. This was a great way to be evangelizing and sharing my faith. 
and honestly kind of filling a little bit of a niche because there wasn't a lot multiple quilt pattern designers have maybe an Easter quilt that's actually focused on faith. I'll have a cross quilt or something like that, but there wasn't really anyone who was like, this is all I do. Like, this is the crux of my business is my faith. And so I just felt very strongly that like, wait a minute, this is what I want to do. I want my whole business to be focused on sharing the good news, on sharing that beauty, on bringing us together as Christians and breaking down some of those boundaries. So I prayed about it and I was like, okay, how do I even name this? And it was just like, faith and fabric. There you go. I loved that singularity of both words. I love how they both begin with the same phonetic sound. It just perfectly encompasses what I do. And I think even when you just see faith and fabric, you know, at the top of my website, what you're getting into before you even start scrolling down the page. And how exciting it is to scroll down that page and see the wonderful items you've made. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun to make them. Even Creating the website was probably one of my favorite parts. Again, having an IT background, it was really enjoyable to, to set it up and build it. I'm my own IT person. I know a lot of folks outsource. And to be honest, from a productivity perspective, I should probably be outsourcing that too. But I enjoy it. I mean, not that I like it when it goes down or anything like that, but I don't mind applying the updates or coming up with the graphics or the design or putting new plugins in. I enjoy that side of it. I enjoy nerding out and doing the technical support on my site. When did you put up your website? I want to say it's roughly my 10-year anniversary. Again, because it happened so organically, it just kind of started. But I want to say it's about 10 years now that I've had the website and the business up and running. I'm thinking you've already answered this next question. So when you started creating your patterns, you started with the scripture. Yeah, I do. I agree with you. I feel like we've kind of covered that. That's always all it's really been about. You know, I have a few just for fun patterns on my site. But again, that's not the niche market. There's a thousand other patterns out there that are just for fun. I really want mine to be, you know, faith focused. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about a few of the different types of patterns you have on your website. I saw scripture patterns, blocks, and the sew a saint. Yeah, so I've got what I call my scripture quilts. So those are all the quilts that are inspired by scripture, whether it's directly or indirectly. And they're large quilts when I think of them. You know, most of them come in multiple sizes. Some people like a small one. A lot of my quilts end up in local churches. That's been probably one of my favorite parts when I get a photo back of someone going, oh my gosh, I made this and now it's hanging at the altar at our church. It's just, I don't know. I imagine it to being that feeling of, you know, when you go to a concert and the lead singer takes his microphone and he holds it out to the audience and the audience sings. That's kind of what it feels like. But I'm just like, amen, all the glory, right back at you, right? All the glory. So I love that side of it. The blocks are all foundation pieced. I love foundation paper piecing. And I know I'm probably in a minority there because most people don't enjoy that part. I love foundation piecing because you can make the most intricate designs. And so all the blocks come in three sizes. There's like an eight, a 10 and a 12 inch, they're all included. And the blocks themselves are all directly inspired by scripture. So there's a Noah's Ark, there's a creation block, there's a baby Jesus block. And those are all tied to a passage. So those have been fun. And they're probably one of my favorite things to make. It's great because you can group them together to, you know, paint a storyline or to tell a story. Like you could do one for Advent, you can do one for Lent, or you could just make one. Like I've got one of the little chapel 
And I have that on my name badge that I wear to quilt meetings. <laughs> so the blocks are fun to do that with. And then the Sewa Saints came out because when I was in Dolls, that Girl Scout group at our church, sewing was something that we had to do. But I remember we sewed like a pillow. And it was fun to have a pillow, but it was kind of like this weird little like, I don't know, we brought it home and I probably put my baby doll on it. And then we, you know, lost it two days later. And I know little kids love soft dolls. And so it was like, well, how can we put faith into the hands of some of these kids? And so I started making the Soa Saint dolls. And so they're basically like fabric patterns and it's on a fat quarter and it's the front and back of a saint. And you just cut it out and you sew them, you know, right sides together. And then you turn it and you stuff it and you have this super soft plush doll. And they've been wonderful. They've been a lot of fun to teach with small Girl Scout groups or little flowers groups, which is like a Catholic version of Girl Scouts. I'll sometimes shrink them down in size and then lead a little group. And I've loved, I've loved making those. And then lastly, I do something called Free Motion Fridays. And the Free Motion Friday is on YouTube. That's where we'll take a scripture verse and I'll talk about it. Um, I love talking and I'm trying on YouTube <laughs> not talk so much, but we'll chat about the scripture verse. What does it really mean? Especially like in light of whatever's going on today. And then we'll sew that verse. So if it's a verse all about love, then we'll be talking about how to sew hearts that day. Or if it's a verse about making straight our path, then we're going to be working on sewing straight lines. And so free motion quilting is something I think as quilters, especially finishing our own quilts, that it's a skill we can all use and work on because it adds such gorgeous detail. But again, why not tie it into our faith and learn a little bit more about our faith along the way? Mm-hmm. When you were talking about you drawing, it's the Soa Saints I was thinking about. So are mm -hmm. all your saints drawn by you? Yes. So on my website, talking about the sewing projects, I have the Soa Saint dolls and those are all designs I've made. I have fabric yardage. And so that's literally what it sounds like. It's fabric by the yard that I've designed. It's all self-printed. And then I have the sewing projects, which I also design. And again, those are like the placemats or the pencil bags or anything like that that are just really fun drawings that lend themselves well to having been made into a product. Again, even thinking like when COVID hit, it was really fun to make some faith-based cut and sew masks. And if you have to wear a mask, maybe one that shares the good news is a, a good mask to wear. So the whole point of those is, again, just simple sewing projects. Again, knowing quilting isn't for everyone but maybe sewing is. And so I want to be able to cater to those folks who just want to make a little doll or make a little pencil box to take to school, pencil bag rather, or some grace placemats for the dinner table. Nice. Thinking back after you decided that you would actually sell your patterns rather than just give them to friends, how exciting was it when someone you didn't know bought one of your patterns? It was terrifying. <laughs> I was so nervous. You know, it's funny because I think because I was so intentional with my IT career, going to school and getting a degree and having the internships and then getting a formal job and the training, I felt like I was a poser when I sold my first pattern. I felt like I didn't go to school for this. Wait a minute. I don't have a degree in this and someone's going to call me out. I have no business doing this. But I have found the community out there to be just so kind and so welcoming and so open that I have always gotten amazing support from the quilt pattern designer group, amazing support from quilt shops and amazing support from customers or just folks who reach out and say, hey, you know, I don't sew, but I love what you do. And so it's been a different kind of education along the way. 
But yeah, it's been 10 amazing years and the rest is history. I happened to notice that on your website, you had the Scripture Quilt Award. So I was curious, how did that go? Oh, it's been so much fun. I get a lot of pictures from folks, like they'll email back saying, hey, you know, I made this and you know, I changed the colors or I made this and here it is hanging up in our church or I made this and now we put it up every Easter. And I just wanted some way to be able to share those pictures with everybody because they're so cool. They're so beautiful. And it's so neat for me, at least sometimes I'll see, for example, our three crosses on the hillside, our, our Good Friday quilt is probably one of the most popular. And in my mind, it was going to be this like red with a touch of purple at the edge because purple is the color of Lent and Lent is fading away. And now this white is coming out of hope. And I've seen some of the most amazing color skies in color patterns and schemes I would never have thought of. And again, trying to think about how do I share these with everybody? So I sent out in January saying, hey, if you've made anything from any of our patterns or any of our fabrics, send it over. Everybody gets in the word. I haven't sent my awards out yet, so I don't want to tell you what they are, but everybody who sends one in gets a little award. And we'll be putting those into a video and everybody can see their work. You know, they can share it with their friends if they really want to, but I just want to honor them. I want to share them and the work that these quilters and sewists have put in and let others see what an amazing, amazing job they did and maybe be inspired by a twist they put on it or a color palette they chose. And be able to incorporate it into their own work. We do so much better when we're together and when we can learn from each other and see each other's ideas. And I just was trying to find a way to share it. And that's how the Scripture Quilt Awards came to be. It sounded like a fun idea. So I was curious how it was. Yeah, thanks. Jen, tell us where we can find your business. Definitely. So you can find me online at faithandfabricdesign.com. Or on social media, I'm on YouTube, I'm on Instagram, and I'm on Facebook and Pinterest as Faith and Fabric. Great. Well, thank you so, so much for being on A Quilter's Life. I enjoyed visiting with you. Oh, likewise. This was just a wonderful chat. And it's great to officially make the connection with you as well. Oh, thanks. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.